0: Coming to you from Strings and Things Studio in Ventura, California, I'm Katie. I'm Anne. And I'm Karen. And this is the Strings Unraveled Book Club. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Hello. Hello. We hope you're reading along with us this month. We read um, a book that was my choosing recommended by a couple of our customers who had enjoyed it um, was Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmis. Um, I have the blurb here that I will read for us first before we jump into anything. Um, this is the debut novel for Bonnie Garmis says chemist Elizabeth Zott is not your average woman. In fact, Elizabeth Sott would be the first to point out that there is no such thing as an average woman. But in the early 1960s, and her all-male team at Hastings Research Institute take a very unscientific view of equality, except for one Calvin Evans, the lonely, brilliant, Nobel Prize-nominated grudge holder who falls in love with, of all things, her mind, True Chemistry Results. But like science, life is unpredictable, which is why a few years later, Elizabeth Sott finds herself not only a single mother, but the reluctant star of America's most beloved cooking show, Supper at Six. Elizabeth's unusual approach to cooking, combine one tablespoon acetic acid with a pinch of sodium chloride, proves revolutionary. But as her following grows, not everyone is happy because, as it turns out, Elizabeth Sott isn't just teaching women to cook. She's daring them to change the status quo. Um, so I guess we can start with your initial reactions. Did you enjoy the book? Anybody? I thought it was delightful. Yeah? I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it enough. Um, I thought it was pretty slow. Um, but I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I think if I had picked it, my, my metric is always like, if I hadn't had to read this for the book club, would I have finished it? Because I have grown to uh let myself not finish a book before i'd be like no i have to finish this before you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. because i would feel bad about it but now i don't do that anymore but i would finish this if i had had picked it up you know apart from the book club so i I liked it enough
1: i think this is a beautifully written book Mm -hmm. Uh, i'm surprised to learn it's her debut Mm -hmm. because it's oh wow really really well done but i hated it you hated it yeah okay hated it (laughs) okay interesting it's gonna be good talk i just i didn't enjoy the emotional journey
0: Mm. yeah it
1: was like it was just like oh almost trite in like the emotional journey Mm. Uh uh-huh i don't know um like um i don't know how to put it into words but every emotional point it hit for me that was tragic mm mm-hmm I felt manipulated by the story. Okay, I don't know if that's like my mm-hmm. point of my personal like brain chemistry right now. Of uh, rah, I'm just feeling grumpy, and this book hit me like when you read, watch a comedy when you're right. on the right mood when you're not yeah. in the mood for it. Um, but I hated it. Okay, I okay. I forced myself to finish this book. Okay. You guys think it went slow? Yeah. Try it at three per- at three times. Yeah. The first time <laughs> I read, a, I listened it three times. I could do it if I concentrated. I think I was at one and a half. It was too long. Um.
0: Which I don't even remember how long it was, but it was too long, and it was, yeah. I I know I know how you feel, and I don't know how to put it into words because I felt sort of bland about it, which was upsetting because it got glowing reviews from people that I whose appreciate trust. their opinions. Yeah. Right. Go ahead.
2: So Elizabeth herself is not particularly like likable, right? And that I think was sometimes hard to get through for me mm-hmm. because. I enjoyed her story in context of the history that she was going through but her as a person you could see it's not just that it, it, she just wasn't a likable person by men or women it wasn't she was a, kind of a very blunt harsh yeah you know she was- I, why should I make you feel comfortable why should I have social niceties you right know, they're a waste of time
0: I can imagine <laughs> not wanting to have social niceties toward people who are actively trying to you know, put you down or demote you in your job or disvalue the thing that you think is important in your life. But Mm -hmm. to uh, extend that beyond to everybody that you interact with, she was a hard character to relate to because she didn't act like a human.
1: And she was a hard
0: character to... Very robotic, yeah. Yeah.
1: I actually didn't mind... I did not mind the personification of Elizabeth. life. Mm-hmm.
0: Um...
1: I just felt like the web that was being very artfully woven, Uh like nothing disparaging about the talent of this author and the talent of the craftsmanship of the story. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Uh, Cause I think it's, it's really neat. It seems like the opening day is the day that we're brought back to as the wrap up happens. And that's done by connecting the notes Uh that she puts in the lunchbox to her daughter to the, the note that Madeline hit hides at the beginning of the book. Uh-huh. I thought that just very, very good craftsmanship. Yeah. She's a good writer. But mm-hmm. it's <laughs> like, oh, boy, there's this big hidden thing that we know about. That, that, right. And that created a tension. It created tension, which I'm sure was the author's desire, but I didn't. Not a good kind of I tension. didn't enjoy getting there. I think part of it was you knew what was going to happen. Yeah. It's like, just get there already. You're just making me feel tense and uncomfortable, and you're making me upset about... Like, you're pulling on my heartstrings Mm -hmm. for reasons that (sighs) didn't seem justified. I
0: guess. Yeah. Yeah, because you kind of... There was no (laughs) real big surprise, you know, Mm -mm. at the end. You kind of figured out what was happening, and then when it happened, you were like, well, why why haven't you figured it
1: out yeah, yeah you're so it's like um it's my favorite quote from lois and um lois and clark is it the the 90s sitcom or 90s show about superman and oh lois. yeah oh. um i think it's lois and clark and there's some time travel that comes back and says oh lois lane the most galactically stupid woman in the universe <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> Like, okay, Elizabeth, are you, like, the most galactically smart or stupid person in the universe, yeah, you know? but there are a lot of
2: people that are intellectually brilliant and people stupid.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, the first question I have, this is from bookclubchat.com, so thank you, bookclubchat.com, for posting questions that I can steal. What is your, we're sort of already talking about, what is your overall impression of Elizabeth as a protagonist? And then why was chemistry the right career choice for
1: her? Well, I mean, it, I love chemistry. This is why it's like so confusing in my own head that I mm-hmm. did not enjoy this book. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if we listen to this book again, yeah. respectively mm-hmm. in 30, 25, 30 yeah. years, would we feel differently about this character? Why? the people who are recommending this book to us. Oh, one was a professional during this time frame. Right. And mm-hmm. maybe lived some of Elizabeth's mm-hmm, challenges. Right. And the other would have been a child. Madeline's point of view. Right. So I'm mean, just thinking of two people specifically who enjoyed this book. So maybe their point of view is either seasoned with experience or seasoned with life experience, you know? Yeah. And bon- would we feel differently about this book down the road?
0: Bonnie Garmus <laughs> is older than... All of us. She's, uh, for her debut novel, I don't know how old she is, but, um, I think maybe that the age range that she's in, maybe, I don't know, for whatever reason, enjoyed it more that I felt like this was sort of promised to be like, it wasn't what I was hoping it was going to be. Right. And it didn't seem that in depth. It, it, it. What am I trying to say? I,
1: I, didn't I don't know. Get, like, how I didn't do I explain get the, why I didn't
0: like this book. <laughs> I didn't get the resolution that I yeah. wanted from yeah, there any of these terrible things that happened. No. I wanted her to... I mean, it was the 60s, right? Yeah. Or the 50s. Like, it wasn't going to happen the way that it would happen nowadays. Because, I'm, and I didn't experience it back then. But I wanted her to stand up and be like, don't talk to me that way. Or to stand up yeah. and be like, you can't do that. But she was operating within the terms that she had to operate within. Even though she the book would lead you to believe that she doesn't care about that. Yeah. But at the same time, we still didn't get the resolution that I wanted for all those terrible people.
1: Yeah. I mean, she, that, that is a pretty powerful resolution that, Miss uh, Ms. Fress gets to run the personal department, right. mm-hmm. right. that she gets to continue her research. It's satisfying in a sense. Yeah.
0: It
1: but is... what about the serial rapist?
0: Yeah. I wasn't satisfied <laughs> or... enough.
1: No.
2: But when I think of this, like, on, we went on a trip recently and we are talking about different things we saw. Um, and I was talking, I don't think I was talking about this book in particular, but my husband asked, well, what about Mad Men? Why do people love to watch Mad Men if the people, if the guys, the acting there are so bad? And this was happening in the time of, if you know, if you remember that show same, Mad Men, yeah, that time, time period, mm-hmm. you know, where men, there really weren't. They could they could behave badly and they could get away with it because there were no real consequences right. for them whatever they did towards a woman.
1: Well, same. There's um, a rape. There's a rape scene in the first scene of Bad, yeah in the first season of Mad Men. Mm-hmm. He, nothing happens.
2: Nothing him. happens.
1: Yeah. Right. Um. And I didn't like Mad Men at some point. Like yeah. by the fourth season, yeah. I was gone
2: yeah mm-hmm. um, i agree
1: and i i didn't watch it to its completion
2: no same here i watched i don't even remember the last season yeah. but i think some of it too was yeah it's just got tiresome
1: mm-hmm. but why
2: did i watch it in the first place the i mean shock
1: of showing it for real is what drew me in yeah and the beauty of it like mm-hmm. they did it beautifully so that's where it's like i did there was a glamour to
2: it yeah but yeah. But in her experience, you don't she's not experiencing the glamour side of it. She's yeah. got the ugly side of it. So anyway.
1: I, I didn't mind Elizabeth mm-hmm. as a protagonist. Okay. And I may never be able to articulate why I did not like this way. Okay. Because <laughs> I don't on the face of it, I don't mind Elizabeth as a protagonist. She has clear boundaries. Yeah. She knows what she wants. She doesn't compromise what she wants. Um yeah, I I like the idea of Elizabeth. I feel bad for her too because she is in a a no man's land of um she's beautiful, (laughs) so women hate her. Mm -hmm. And she's smart and has every right to assert her her intelligence, and that's why men hate her. Like she could never win. She's not exactly she's kind of
2: motherly, but kind of not. She's not a traditional mother by chance. You you learn that she didn't want to be a mother, but yet she is a mother to to this child. Um, a, it's it's not the life that she wanted for herself, but she is making it her own. Yeah, and I did like that part about it. I still am not necessarily believe a believer that she could be this. Cr- an unknowing crusader for women's rights while doing this cooking show. I'm not sure that the, I'm not really believing that the appeal of her style of show was real myself.
1: So I guess that is where you have to like suspend disbelief. And maybe that's something I don't like because I have like the history of Julia child is so like, um, It's precious to me, even if Mm -hmm. she was not she was not a perfect person by any means. But every time we get to learn more about Julia Child's life and her struggle and what it really took, like the newest incarnation of telling her story, it makes me so emotionally overwhelmed that maybe this is too precious of a characterization to like, (laughs) I was trying to explain this to my husband and like, um, you know, the Dolly Parton um, podcast. Yep. I never finished it. Uh huh. Even though it's a work of brilliant art. Yeah. Because I just. Dolly Parton's
0: America I think is what it was. Something like
1: that. Just so emotionally overwhelming to me. I could only enjoy the first episode. Yeah. (laughs) I could never come back to it. I understand that. (laughs) And that's the like emotional welling I have for Julia Child's story. And obviously this is a riff. Yeah. Uh Yeah. Off of Julia Child. Yeah. Um, I mean certainly a different characterization. Yep. very different story yep completely unique but it's still taking us Chip into a in nowhere land of also maybe i feel a little angry that we didn't have someone like elizabeth saw earlier yeah yeah like what and then i'm mad at her for leaving it exactly <laughs> like you started it and then yeah i mean you have in your pocket a woman you encouraged at 38 years old to go be a heart surgeon. Exactly. In 1961. Yeah. <laughs> and then you stopped. Okay.
0: And you don't get the sense that Elizabeth is doing any of it because she wants to empower women.
1: No. Like, She's just doing happening, it to pay
0: her bills. <laughs> and at some point she realizes like that's what's happening and she like is like, oh, this is a thing I should think about. But for the most part, it's not like that's, she just thinks that everybody should be equal because that's what's right. But she never wants to be a crusader for that. No, or This a is just a bridge till
2: she gets back to her real life.
0: Right. So that's, I think undercut why I didn't really care as much about her. Uh, in, in like a feminist sense, which, you know, feminism back there is very different than what it is. I don't know what wave that is. Cause the waves confuse me, but yeah so she wasn't
2: trying to be it a might ma- be that's the thing wave. she yeah, wasn't trying she's... to be a feminist she was just in her brain
1: well I think she's a...
2: she, she says there's no reason why we shouldn't be allowed to do this thing that yeah. our brain can do
1: right I think and that's, what that's right is kind of her way of thinking she's she does not think of herself as a woman she just thinks of herself as a thinking as person a human yeah, right. yeah. A thinking human yeah and um I sort of that's sort of like in that way of thinking is informing my personal understanding of how someone could identify as non-binary mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you don't like think of your gender in every choice you make. Yeah. Right. And Elizabeth like almost never thinks of her gender, except I guess in her relationship with Calvin, I guess. Where, yeah. And who knows? I'm, I'm reaching into a part of the character we didn't get to know. Um, That's true. We don't know. But how she details. doesn't like apply gender to her. Uh, uh To the way she moves through the world. Right, right, Mm -hmm. right, right. right. She is
2: a scientist, not a Mm -hmm. female scientist, not Mm -hmm. a woman scientist. She's just a scientist. She's a chemist.
0: Yeah. Uh, Um, Yeah. This question says, she enters a male-dominated field, and it's a constant uphill battle for her. Have you ever worked in a field like that, or have been in a similar type of situation, and can you relate to what Elizabeth went through? I am... Uh, happy to say that I have worked exclusively with women in my professional life (laughs) um, and have only ever had female bosses so I can say no that I cannot relate to this but I mean every woman can in some sense like you know in Mm -hmm. school or in you know family dynamics or some other sort of community besides
1: just the workplace you know Mm -hmm. I thankfully also have never, I've worked in, you know, mixed gendered and perhaps more masculine generated, um, dominated field when I worked in finance. Um, but yeah, I was going to say that too, the, about the bank. Yeah. But like, um, (laughs) I worked my angles at the bank (laughs) (laughs) and I, I knew enough to inform myself to like not get shortchanged on my salary and things like that. Yeah. Um, until I was ready to leave that field. You know, um, so thankfully I didn't fall into any dangerous, like, potholes along that way, I guess. Yeah. And the field I work in is, like, so tiny now. That <laughs> right. And But I use the same same tools of educating myself and, and making sure that I, I know what my value is. Mm-hmm. So as, as far as, and I, I know what role I want to play, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not looking for, like, I'm happy with what I have. I'm not looking for more. So, you yeah. know. No, yeah. I have not had experience that.
2: <laughs> yeah. I
1: haven't,
2: I haven't personally experienced it, but I have witnessed it. Like when I worked at the bank, there are certain jobs that, that women were not allowed to, were not considered above. Like you would never have seen a, a female manager of the bank. You would see, see um, I think the, the person, time. the person, yeah, between us, yeah uh, the person in charge of the tellers could be that, you know, that's as high as, as far as a manager goes that a woman could go a woman could be, could definitely be in sales, whether, whether they're selling CDs or other financial products, but there was a certain dress code that they were expected to have that men didn't have to follow in order to, you know, the, the more they show their legs, the better they could, they were expected to wear nylons and a and a certain level of, you know, a skirt to sell financial products better. But that might've also been being in downtown LA near the financial mm-hmm. district. Um,
1: Nah, because yeah. when I worked in banking, the regional manager in downtown Los Angeles was a woman, so, extremely powerful woman. So Many it, women, under and her. it might be the difference yeah, of just a decade. Time yeah, because that us. mine yeah. was like
2: mid eighties, mm-hmm. yours was probably mid
1: late no late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah. yeah. So there's enough time between us, but well, that and when I,
2: and when I did that. Keep in mind, when I did, there was no Saturday banking. Uh You know, and you had every holiday. So there was a different work thought, too.
1: (laughs) Banker's hours does hold something. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. Um, How did her unusual
0: upbringing and volatile relationships with her parents impact how she approached relationships as an adult? So her father is a... uh, um. Uh, what is the word? Evangelical flimflam artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think she calls him a flimflam. flim-flam artist flam, somewhere yeah. in Yeah. Yeah. He's selling um
2: snake oil. Yeah. Yep. Basically.
0: <laughs> yeah. And her mother was. Along with it, until she ran away and abandoned her family and lives in what Brazil or something, something like.
1: Well, I'm is it she because on the family tree doesn't it say that there's a picture of a woman eating tamales? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so somewhere, somewhere that they'd eat tamales, either Mexico or, or Central America, I guess.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so she doesn't have very good examples of what parenting
2: could look like. Right, right, right.
0: It, it uh. It makes
1: for an uh, unusual parent parenting style i would say something i like about her is that she seems to parent instinctually like, yeah mm-hmm. yeah definitely and, and i appreciate that about her that she she speaks to her child her child and to the dog i mean i will say my most favorite thing yeah is the point of view of 630 <laughs> 630 <laughs> 630 saves the book
0: <laughs> why do you su- why do you suspect that the author decided to include the viewpoint of their dog <laughs> That's one of these questions. Someone like, had
2: yeah. to be sane.
0: Yeah. That, yeah, someone had to be nor- had to
2: be relaxed. The normal person, the normal is one. The dog. I yeah. love
0: the dog because his dialogue is j- is not like any other dog's dialogue in any other thing. Where yeah. it's like, I love my human. I'm a dog. Oh, look a squirrel. You know, yeah. it's he
1: talks like, oh, like no, a
0: that's not safe. a well educated regular you know member of the family, which right. is what Elizabeth <laughs> you know considers him. Right. Yep. He knows what like nine hundred words or something by the something end of the like book? that, Yeah. Which is
1: scientifically proven, yeah. Um, Like that dog bunny on the internet, (laughs) yeah. Um, Because every time my kids try to like um, talk down to the dogs, I'm like, they understand. You know, they're probably laughing at (laughs) you. Some dogs are smarter than others. Well, there are some dogs that really do. One of the yes, and I have one of them. But I still believe he understands a lot of words. My one of my dogs has shown that she will like love and nurture a stuffed animal, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: which was a total surprise to us because she doesn't like I think she doesn't like squeaky toys
0: because she
1: takes them. Choose on them until the squeaker's done and then abandon them, them to the other dog. Uh, I think she really doesn't like the squeaker. Uh-huh. And so she took this stuffed animal and we're like, oh, it's your baby. And then my husband thought it would be like fun to take the baby and hide it every once oh. in a while. So I'm like, I'm pretty sure she understands you guys and when she's like, when you're like, I'm going to take your baby. <laughs> the so, traumatized dog yeah, that's what we were arguing about about whether or not she understood when you <laughs> monsters were saying oh it's kidnap her baby i do wish
2: that there was like a 3d model of her of her kitchen or particular in particular i w- i want to know i would like to take a tour of her house
1: <laughs> yeah that would be interesting <laughs> to see how the her lab is a kitchen. the lab fits in. I mean, it replaces it, right? It's a bungalow, so I kept picturing actually not dissimilar from my own house, which is an open, you know, it's a thousand square feet, an open.
0: I kind of imagine it like your house too.
1: Yeah, open living room. And a kitchen where there's just like a half wall between. Mm, that's exactly the, what yeah. I was thinking. So but more square shaped than mine. Like I have a long galley kitchen, which mm. um, more square shaped. A little more open concept. <laughs> what what is the definition of a bungalow? That's a great question. I picture the houses like more um like north or east um like more Oceanside Avenue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that are just even still a little smaller. Than my house. Uh, I was thinking of bungalows as being kind of
2: like a studio or really close to a a
1: studio with maybe really tiny walls. (laughs) Okay, so I didn't look it up. Is Commons a real place?
0: Oh, I don't know. I can look that up while you're looking up what a bungalow is.
1: <laughs> is it is it like because uh, it's it's in you know near San Diego? Is it the city that um, Veronica Mars took place in? <laughs> uh, it doesn't look like it's a real place. Uh, uh, a bungalow, a low house with a broad front porch, having either no upper floor or upper rooms set on the roof, typically with dormer windows. So it doesn't say exactly the size. So a size. small
0: single story home.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Like a cottage or mm-hmm. a studio.
0: Um, what do you think about the eventual romance between Elizabeth and Calvin, and why were they a good fit, A.K.A. full of good chemistry?
1: Well, he—I mean, he's attracted to her for just the normal reasons. Right, she's gorgeous, uh, <laughs> and um, she, I think she, since she talks plainly to him and is interested in the same things,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so, yeah, I can see that
2: she understands him in a way that even his peers don't. Mm -hmm. She gets him. And for him who probably was very lonely growing up, feeling like nobody got him, Mm -hmm. having someone who, uh, who you don't always have to explain yourself to, you can say something and they just get it is very attractive. Yeah. Um, why do you think that they said he's a person who always, he's known the only thing people know about him really is that he holds a grudge. I never saw him really displaying in the book any kind of mean-spirited grudge-holding, get-back-at-you behavior, and I don't know if they were just jealous or if that was just never explained once Elizabeth came along.
0: They, the only one that I can think of is the grudge that he held against his father, but I don't know in what way that impacts the way that, like, his co-workers think of him that way. Like, that's his defining, you know, feature, is that he, he can hold a grudge, right? But, like, the only one that comes back in my mind, is that he thought his father had
1: abandoned him. Yeah. I'll bet I'm thinking about it because that is true. It's s- plainly stated. As a chapter begins somewhere in the middle. It's like, I don't, he, he says in his like, when we're learning his point of view, he doesn't understand why people think that about him because yeah. the only grudge he holds is the man he thinks is his father. Yeah. Um, I think it could be because like in his, they describe his dating life a little bit, mm-hmm. that it was um, maybe when he was board of people or they didn't serve a purpose for him and he just would move on perhaps and maybe so, you read it as
0: a grudge right yeah i could see that um uh calvin proposes to elizabeth but she says no what was behind her reasoning for turning down the proposal this was one part of the book that i was so incredibly frustrated by because elizabeth was just like no Mm-hmm. And doesn't ever explain to Calvin really why she doesn't want to marry him. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I thought I, I I did catch why. But he kept coming back to like, well, you should just marry me anyway. And she's like, I don't want to be married because of this reason. And he, he literally wouldn't take no for an answer, right? I mean, yeah. at some point I think he gave up, but it wasn't expressed outright that I could feel. And maybe I just am misremembering that like he never understood her point. And I'm like, I think these two are supposed to be so good at communicating with each other that for this one part, for some reason, they can't get past it. I don't know.
2: Okay, here's my thing. He walks through the world with the privilege of a white male who is who has doors open for him because he works hard, doors open. He thinks that's just that. He doesn't understand what he has no concept, even when she tries to explain to him that Any connection she has with him, even her dating him now puts her, the credibility of her work in danger that it, and that is so important. She wants her work to be her own. It's the thing that is like, if you created something and you're super proud of it and you never get to have ownership of that, of that creativity or credit for that, or it's always marred by everyone, no matter how much you prove it was yours never want always saying well yeah but don't you really think it's because of him i mean they already they already gave her gave her you know cred for being for that uh-huh. you know just by dating him you know it's just and i can understand in that time period one of one it was so rare to have a woman chemist mm-hmm. and then and she, and she, I think between the two of them, she really was the smarter of them. She yeah. could, she was, she could see beyond those walls and, in, in the problem solving. And they complimented each other that way also. But she knew that when she did make this giant breakthrough, she didn't want to have to share it even so much as to hyphenate her name.
0: But what was Calvin even doing? Because... Whatever oh, he wanted. Yeah, but he he didn't have, like, a clear goal of research that he was working on. Ah. And he was supposed to be, like, so brilliant. Yeah. But he, it's described as, like, people would go into his lab and be like, he's just sitting there staring off into space. You know, like, what is he doing?
1: I've always wondered. What did he produce for his work? Oh, uh, well, I mean, he wrote papers that yeah. got him nominated for Nobel Prizes, but we never really learn about his work. Right. Nope. So we're, we're never told. It's true. You're, I, I've always wondered that about research scientists and especially mathematicians. What do you do? Yeah. Like, <laughs> how do you get because this is like this is such an American way of looking at at your value. Like, how do you true. prove your value when you're a research scientist? <laughs> really? I mean, I know one of the ways is that publish or perish. Yeah. But. But how do you like show up for cuz like I can write a term paper real quick. I know that writing a scientific paper is not like writing a term paper. Right. But <laughs> <laughs> Come on, isn't it though?
2: <laughs> well, okay, look at look at the boss who was ahead yeah, of that. He stole it. <laughs> and he stole lots of people's work. Yeah. So clearly some people cannot write a paper well enough on their own to sell that. I think mo- I think Calvin's biggest value at least to the company he worked for was his name alone Mm
0: -hmm. brought money in yeah
2: he could go his whole life and working there and not produce a thing because his name alone was gave him value but and yet something how did he get that i agree how did he get that name to begin with
0: wasn't his work that was bringing in money you're right in that it was literally his name because his work was always funded by his birth mother Right? Yeah. by the foundation that she <laughs> ran and maybe other grants and people who you know had supported him but the main money maker he was the main money maker for the for the research institute right and he she was the reason why there was money involved with him
1: I'm not sure about that I think there's a gap in her hearing that he's the memorial fund at the boys' school, because mm-hmm. he got a rowing scholarship because the boys' home had a rowing, um, right program. Or program. Mm-hmm. So, and she doesn't know that he's alive or have a sense of that until he's already an established scientist.
0: That is true. So mm-hmm. I'm
1: not sure. I don't think money mattered to him. No um it obviously didn't yeah because by (laughs) people who don't ever have to worry about money don't have to (laughs) but he didn't really have any money of his own he had money because of like um prizes he'd won. right he didn't come from wealth right no he moved to
0: this place to work at this institute that was lucky to have him apparently yeah because he had offers from lots of other places but he chose to work there because it had perfect weather. Right. For what he wanted to do. It wasn't, you know, he could have made a lot more money somewhere else, yes. but he
1: never did. Yeah. Um, It didn't matter to him. No. I
0: like
2: the circles of connection that were written around Calvin. How, you know, like his connection with his pen pal that then broke off, but then somehow she got connected to mm-hmm. later in life. How I, I did like how it was written, these circles of almost like spirals you yeah, know they they're yeah. there and then they're gone and they yeah. come back
1: i think that's part of what frustrated me is you like waiting for them when to it, circle can around. we get there yeah you know yeah. Like, i don't i don't know
0: i think you were given too much at the beginning to mm. to know where you're going and for it to be waiting for it to circle back in some way you didn't necessarily know how it was going to get there yeah but you knew it was going to come back around
1: yeah yeah i don't know all right i've been waiting i guess you need to ask your next question go ahead
0: Oh, because I'm you, I'm
1: waiting for you, you a like reaction to, to something it? of you. Go no, go ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah, ask yeah, um, your next question.
0: I wanted to talk about the metaphor of rowing in this book.
2: How um, about you
0: just using the erg, working so hard and getting nowhere, right? And getting absolutely <laughs> nowhere. Um, I did either of you and you probably didn't cause you were probably done. Listen to the interview with the author. I listened a little bit, but okay. I didn't, I did I think I turned I it off it, about
1: rowing right when she's about to talk about rowing. Okay.
0: So I have, um, this is a quote from the author about, um, her use of rowing as a metaphor for balance, essentially. Um, she says in a boat, how well you, cause she is a rower herself. Oh, Um, in a boat, how well you cooperate with each other is the difference between winning and losing. It isn't who's the biggest, it's who cooperates best with their teammates. Everyone rows as one. The oft-recited statistic from Elizabeth that we are 99.9% the same happens to be true, and it's also part of rowing. Things like systemic racism, misogyny, religious zealotry are divisive elements, and they're not based in science. They're cultural constructs, And when they're used to control people, and they're used to control people to keep some in charge and others under their thumbs. Imbalance in a boat spells failure, and the same is true for everyday life. When we Hmm. choose to create situations dominated by one race, one gender, one religion, one outlook, we create imbalance, and the result is havoc. And I thought that was pretty beautiful, but I didn't get it (laughs) from the book. I got it from the interview with the author after the book yeah, and I'm yeah like, oh okay i see what you were doing but i felt like i should have oh i see what you were doing earlier <laughs> than
1: that um well see so when i was in college i thought i would like rowing i went to an informational meeting for uh-huh. rowing oh, wow. um they all sounded wonderful like and amazing and bonded and and that probably would have been my key to staying in college honestly was finding a good group of people to bond with okay and one of the girls on my flat on my floor also went to the meeting and we were going to like go to practice together the first day. And she knocked on my door at an ungodly hour. (laughs) I was like, Nope. No, have fun though. (laughs) And I did not join rowing. (laughs) Um. So I laughed every time, like every (laughs) reference, the idea of like getting up early, punishing your body. Yeah. Um, I took that to just be more of a way to characterize Calvin and his doggedness and Mm -hmm, commitment mm -hmm. to what he valued. So, like, I, I mean, I, I can see what she was trying to paint with that by tying him to rowing and showing us the rowing community. But I just took it as a way to characterize. Sure. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like, uh. The the girl who knocked on my door went on to be recruited by a different college and get her college paid for. Could have been you, Anne. No, if you had woken up early no. enough. No, <laughs> no. But I'm I'm proud to have known her because, and I and my daughter who there's a free rowing program in Ventura County. Yeah. I'm like, oh wow. Honey, it's like playing an unusual instrument. Yeah. You I know? know. I know somebody who is involved in that program.
0: Yeah, so. it's super cool. Um, the story features a great supporting. Cast from the neighbor Harriet, who eventually becomes, like, an extended family member, to Elizabeth's producer, Walter. Who was your favorite supporting character and why?
1: Well, Harriet. Harriet yeah. was
0: pretty great. I mean, because
1: obviously 630 is a main character. Yes. So yeah. yeah. Okay. So, yeah. No, I love Harriet. I adore Harriet. I mm-hmm. love that she doesn't, like, voice her opinions. No. Uh, but she has a lot of wisdom to share. And she will share it if you ask for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that she finds her own path to a better life. Yes. And happy a happier life. That was so
0: sweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I liked I liked Harriet a lot. From the moment we met her, I liked Harriet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um Yeah. And I liked Walter, you know, who yeah. eventually came around to figure out what he was supposed to do with his life, right? Yeah. He's like not really great as in his role, but he is in his role because he's a man. So he's like, I guess I'm in charge. He's not good at being in charge. Right. (laughs) And then he finally learns, like, I think what I'm good at is helping women, (laughs) like, you know, supporting women or, you know, helping them, you know, and what can I do to be better about that? Like he literally
1: realizes that. I also like, there was a quiet tone to something. He wants, he knew that the, network head was a bad and dangerous person
0: Mm. and he
1: always knew he needed to protect his. yes um he didn't do the right thing to get rid of him but he knew that he couldn't leave women alone (laughs) right (laughs) and i appreciated that stewardship sure even though it's not particularly productive uh
0: yeah at least he didn't just look the
1: other way right you know he knew what let people go into the lion's den per se right i felt
2: like if elizabeth's personality was sharp and orderly he was the opposite. Mm-hmm. He was gooey and messy.
1: <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, that's it. <laughs> always a little damp. <laughs> I mean, I, th- <clears throat> I think of the
2: characters of his daughter and her daughter.
0: Yeah, yeah, and like
2: it's like his his. I I, I pictured his daughter as the bully, and wondered why, but she wasn't really a bully. No, no she
1: wasn't she, at, at all.
2: She just because at
1: first she was just kind painted of a sad little.
2: She, because first she's painted as someone who's just taking some other
1: girl's sandwich,
0: but I don't think it's that. I, he wasn't. She wasn't stealing her sandwich. No,
1: no, that was totally Elizabeth's thought misunderstanding. Yeah. Because when we hear about Amanda eating Madeline's lunch, you we're told that Madeline gives it to her. Right. Not that Amanda well, takes it. Okay. I, I mean that's how I remember it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but
0: Elizabeth is upset about it not because somebody's is. Stealing her daughter's lunch, but because her her it's a her, precise
2: measurement right. of she exact exactly the child for her eat. eat. I don't know what your child needs to eat, but I know exactly what my child needs yeah, to eat. Right. And the, the and equation. I made it, I <laughs>
1: the, which I also enjoy because I love chemical. I love stoichiometry, the balancing of uh-huh. chemical. That's equations. my favorite part of right. chemistry. Same, because it's, like, like it, it's it it algebra right? work. Well, don't call it that because then no, I don't no, like no. it anymore. It's just, it's, it's what if I it, called called it makes al- sense. What if I called algebra
2: stoichiometry?
1: Well, then I think someone would write us a letter. I don't know. different <laughs> well, thing. I, <laughs> well, I, I, <laughs> I was more no, of a I biology love, kind of person I than love a chemistry person. Too. Oh, see, I,
2: I didn't like biology because it's just so much memorization and so messy. Whereas oh, I don't mind that. Chemistry is linear. I
1: love yeah. chemistry. That's what I like about stoichiometry is the linear nature mm-hmm. of it. Yes. Um Yeah. So I'm waiting for you to have a distaste about the precocious child. That's what I'm waiting for, Katie. You know that I always (laughs) have a distaste for the
0: precocious child. Um, That was one review I read was like, this child is too precocious, but like, isn't every child in every book a little too precocious? I'm like, yeah, you're right. I mean, she has to be very smart yeah, because her parents were both very smart. So I let it go a little bit. Than you know just a child in any other book yeah. that's just extra smart magically for no reason, delicious. Right? I'm just like, cause. come on, yeah. child. But this, I I actually liked Mad a lot. Okay. Oh,
2: okay. Um, mad, not Madeline. Mad. mad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, what about that nurse? The nurse that had the nerve to write that on on the birth certificate just because she was ticked off at Elizabeth. <laughs> well,
0: Elizabeth was mad.
2: And she was mad at her situation, you know, of giving birth and being a single parent right. and going through all that. And I understand, plus the hormones and the emotions of just giving birth. But she didn't but understand what the nurse asked
0: her. She didn't. Yeah. Okay. But the nurse, the nurse knew, the nurse, nurse, knew. Anyway, but, the
2: nurse yeah. understood yeah. what she was doing when yeah. she put that. There's on the birth this, certificate. There's this
0: famous story in my husband's family that his father is a fourth. Um, and when he was born, his mom didn't want him to be so-and-so the fourth. And <laughs> she apparently wasn't real with it when they came to, like, name the baby oh, no. when the nurse came. Yeah. And so they were like, what's this baby's name? And the dad was like, well, guess what? He's so-and-so the fourth. And his mom, like, never forgave him that, like, <sighs> I didn't want to name my child that. Oh. So, you know, I could see that. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a thing that happened back then. Yep. You know, Twilight, or what do they call it? Um. Uh,
1: Not Twilight, you know.
2: There was a point where they did like ah, but they, there was a time she was not
1: anest she was not anesthetized. No, That's no, true. she couldn't afford it. No, my, but my, the m- nurses are probably used to dealing with.
2: There was like a that. time where they anesthetized to the point mm-hmm. that my mother in law does not give remember giving birth, nor did she right. see her child for three days because it took that long to get all the drugs out of yeah. her system.
1: Between my because mom- that
2: was a belief at the time that women should not experience pain in birth.
1: Between my mom having my brother and sister in sixty nine and seventy one. That she was still, you're still being knocked out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To 1981, 84 for my brother and I, she had no. She went natural.
0: Right. That was <laughs> the thing back then because that's what my mom did. Too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, but d- that's the time span. Yeah. From- mm-hmm. Late sixties, early seventies to eighties, being a choice. Also, difference um, in the father being invited into the delivery room between oh, right. those decades. My mother in law is like
2: she would have been appalled if my, my. Apparently, my father-in-law would have loved to be there for Aww. the birth of his kids. He wanted to be there. He wanted to be part of that, and she's like, "No, no, 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 no! I don't even want to be there." I- <laughs> I don't want you there. <laughs> yeah. Why would it? Fathers just It was not something fathers were allowed to do, even yeah. if they'd wanted to. It's yeah. not, they had no, That's I know not how
0: things were done for sure. Mm-hmm. I know
2: they told my husband, my husband wanted to be there. And they said, you know, cause with the first morning, we have a C-section and they said, this is your chair. You will sit on this chair. If you pass out and fall off the chair, we will step over you, but we will not help you until <laughs> everything else is done. Just know that.
0: <laughs> um, why did elizabeth agree to host the cooking show and why did the show resonate with women across the country we kind of touched on the second point but why does she agree to do this cooking show because it doesn't (laughs) seem like at any point it's something that she is excited she just quit her job yeah
1: and she's facing a reverse mortgage on her house which that's a bad situation she hadn't
0: quit her job yet i don't think because she comes from the institute to go yell at walter at work to be like your daughter needs to stop
1: i came around nope. my lunch break and nope. your daughter
0: needs to stop eating three two days. Two different
1: things, three days in between so she yells at walter three days before they connect she had just come home from quitting got it okay. when she um she uh takes walter's call okay yeah i understand oh yeah you're yeah. right you're right, you're, she right. Would, you're right three days before never no, no. <laughs> um the sweaty guy keeps trying to hire me what
0: (laughs) and she says like at the very beginning of the book like that's the day that we like come in on right and she says like i did i did it because you know i made more money that's the reason why i took any job that i ever had was i I, could i make more money doing this okay great but she certainly needed the money right Mm
2: -hmm. i want to try her coffee what do you (laughs) know you could go to
0: any really pretentious coffee shop uh, you know, in some hip part of town, and get the same thing. But is it
2: gonna? No, no. It, will it be amazing like
0: hers?
1: I mean, they because think so. there's no bitter. <laughs> there's no bitter. Yeah. Which even with um, pour over, it, it you get a lot more like a fruity taste and less bitter. But there's still like a real high acidity. So yeah. I wonder. I wonder. About See, this mythical coffee. <laughs> we were camping,
2: and I brought... Um, I have I have uh, a USB rechargeable co- grinder that I take... They charge it up just before... Every morning, we had fresh ground pour-over
1: coffee.
0: Very yeah. nice. Very nice. Um, why did Elizabeth eventually leave the cooking show?
1: Because it wasn't fulfilling anymore. Yeah. And she had the opportunity to go back... To what she really wanted, didn't she? She didn't. Not,
0: no. at, that oh, no, oh, not no. at that point. Oh, not at that point.
1: She left the cooking show on the turn of a dime. Yeah. Because of something Harriet said about like chemistry is changed or something like that, mm. and um, then she then she put her resume out there and nothing happened. And nothing happened, nothing right, happened right. until she gets what she thinks is a prank call from Miss Frask. Mm-hmm. I love Miss Frask. <laughs> so I, what I love most about Miss Frask is, first of all, it's a brutally honest portrayal uh-huh. of other women hating each other. Yeah. Because of Because they're beautiful, so, yeah. because they're more talented, because, 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 you yeah. know? because And yes, because of misogyny. Right. Like, because I of the
0: patriarchy.
1: Really, I really finally come to that honest honesty in myself of evaluating like why do I resent such and such person? Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, then I realized it's because the way the men around me frame misogyny. her. Internalized misogyny. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Because the way the men around me frame her. Um, I realize that's why one of the reasons that I think a lot of women hate Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and so many other women in power. Anyways, I like that. I like that. Honesty. She was
0: a good character to to enjoy reading because yes. she comes to terms with her own like internalized misogyny yes. and at yeah. some point she realizes like what the hell am I doing? Yes. This has never gotten me goddamn anywhere. <laughs> <Yes. ever.">
2: <laughs> the- <laughs> I, I didn't like Miss Frask but I came to love Miss Frask because I got to
1: see her, her evolution. Yeah. Also, I don't know if it was purposeful, but the tone of voice yes. that um, the reader gave Miss Frask <laughs> is very close to the portrayal. Um, you're going to have to help me with this. Mm. Um, we love her. She's a knitter and she is um, an actress, blonde, lanky. Yeah. Um, she voices a secretary on... Um, archer Mm -hmm. and every time miss frask spoke (laughs) i heard greer yeah judy greer judy greer yes so judy greer voices this character on archer and she's the like "Ah, dumb secretary Uh (laughs) and every time miss frask spoke in this reader's voice I it could hear gear. yeah that character. That's so funny. And yeah, she was that's perfect. perfect. <laughs> the
2: first time I knew that I just loved Miss Frask was she's like, "They're going to let me go." What, yeah, what I the have heck? A present
1: for you. I got, a, you know,
2: here. Here's everything you you yeah. never knew that you should have known.
0: And they I'm both hate it for you. each other so much until they realize like, "Why do I hate you so much, you know?" and it yeah it, we're that better was a together fun, i did like that part and she was she was a good character because you did hate her so much at the beginning and you knew exactly what sort of person this was like you have met that she would many people like this and because this is the she, sort of person that would have existed so perfectly in that yeah, day and age yeah, you know she was
2: taught that the only way that she could get ahead was by backstabbing other women and climbing on them to get ahead
0: or any value that because, she had in yeah. society was her looks her you know Not her brains, not her, anything else that she had to offer, just, you know, what she could offer to a man that he wanted her in, whatever position, you know, she was in, typist or secretary or whatever. And what did she call herself? The, uh, she's a, uh, personnel expert or something like that. And an almost psychologist. Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I, I did like her actually, because like first of all, adult friendships are hard to find. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and figuring out other women is hard. Like yeah. and I love that they finally figure each other out. Mm-hmm. And yeah. in the end they figure she, out what they're doing. She's there to to help her and throw a, a buoy to her instead of the <laughs> ankle cutting, you know right. abuse she gives her at the beginning. Right.
0: Um, what did you think about the ending overall?
1: Finally tidied up. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. It just took a long time to get there. I felt
0: it did take a long time to get there. And I didn't know exactly where it was going to end. Like who, like what was going to happen for these characters. You knew that something good was going to happen for Elizabeth. She was going to get to research again in some way that was like justified or like in, in a way that she was going to be recognized. I didn't know what that was going to look like, but it was, um,
2: yeah, yep. It was tied up. So how old was mad at the end? (laughs) <laughs> maybe it's she like, turned five she's still in kindergarten she was young. yeah okay so it just figures that in real life i think it it takes a long time to get that it kind of i know we wanted it yeah. tidied up a little quicker yeah. but it wouldn't have been very realistic
0: true yeah you but know? i've read books that spanned over you know much longer time periods that that's true yeah we're
2: over too soon true yeah
0: yeah yeah that's
1: yeah Maybe she just
2: wanted to paint a little more time to paint these little vignettes
1: of characters. Yeah, it's like, I mean, I I wish I knew my own head better to be able to express why I feel any vitriol to this beautifully told story. Mm-hmm.
0: There wasn't any sort of, not that there wasn't a plot, but it didn't work like a traditional book that you read where it's like beginning, middle, end. And we mm-hmm. have read many other things with timeline jumping, and that's yeah. a really... um popular you know narrative tool that people use nowadays and things jump jumping back and forth like like the last book you read the vanishing half like Mm -hmm. that jumped back Mm -hmm. and forth Mm -hmm. a lot a lot so that's a pretty popular thing to have happened but it's it wasn't told in I mean it was I don't know I, I share your sentiment that like I don't know how I feel because it was well written I think the mm-hmm. characters were well written I think mm-hmm. that it was an interesting mm-hmm. story mm-hmm. but it was slow in that like where, where's the thread like where are we going you know
1: yeah and and yet at the same time we knew where the threads were Of like yeah. this is all gonna get tied in a bow with she's going to find out that Calvin's from money and mom's been looking for him. Like we knew those things were coming in a sense.
2: Yeah. I don't know. I didn't, I think I'm not not a professional (laughs) literate correct. I (laughs) I don't
0: understand.
2: (laughs) I didn't really know where the story about the story of Calvin. So much of it was about her that when we got to hear his story, I found that little, I felt that I thought that was like a side shoot for a while until I realized that there was a connection like when they they sh- they, they had the different people that they introduced at the funeral, and then you they didn't have any meaning connected to them until later in the book.
0: Mm-hmm. But how absolutely horrifying was the revelation that not not that his fa- father didn't or his not it wasn't his father <laughs> that his family didn't want him, but that he was lied to by right. the the whoever of the boys' home that was like oh, they don't yeah. want you, you know they they. They came. They saw you, and they're like, "No, that's okay." When in reality, that's all that they wanted, and right. they were, they were lied to, and he was lied to, and that right. was that was the most heartbreaking part of the story, for me. Yeah,
2: but why? I they didn't really like the the boy. Some didn't really like having him. No, they it, was it was just to
1: use him to get money. They just got money from say. him. As, as right, long the as he was. Memorial fund
0: yeah. for him not even being dead.
1: No. Yeah,
0: that was terrible. Monsters. Yep. Um. My last question for us is. Did you feel like you learned any lessons <laughs> or anything else from reading the novel? Do you have any um, favorite scenes that we haven't discussed yet?
1: I think that this book exposes some very important things. Uh-huh. I mean, not things that we didn't know about, but and yet things that aren't fleshed out. For mm-hmm. Like we talked about um, women resenting each other for the world that men build around us. Mm hmm. I think that was important to have fleshed out. Also, I forget, as do all the men around Elizabeth Zott, that just because you're worthy and smart doesn't mean you get where you're supposed to go in the world. So like I yeah. I see yeah. it, I see it on death certificates all the time. <laughs> Highly educated women who are homemakers.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, not that there's anything disparaging. Again, a lesson related again and again in this book sure. and I was talking about it one time with someone who who would have I don't know be in this right age group and and they reminded me like maybe that part it was somebody who like had a a, a PhD or something and in psychology I think because anytime somebody achieves that I, I'm like oh what'd they do and then you hear homemaker uh-huh. and it was pointed out to me that maybe that person wasn't allowed yeah. to pursue right. their career not yeah, and they you didn't first, pursue it and I think about it, it wasn't every, really an option right every time that was like That's illustrated important. to me and I see women with excellent educations because it's not just about getting your MRS you no. know you don't achieve academic excellence just so you can get married yeah. <laughs>
0: Or not even achieve academic excellence, but go to college to meet a pool of people. Right, right. right. No ambition to do anything with it.
1: Yeah. It's just not... I mean, I'm sure there are women who have, certainly. Yes. But I don't think that's what drives someone to academic excellence as a woman.
0: But if you didn't know that there were other opportunities out there or... Not that you didn't know, but that they didn't exist without somebody paving the way for them. Yeah. That would be a viable way for you to ensure that you were taken care of.
1: Right. And I think that this book does a great job of illustrating that point. Yeah. That don't take for granted what you can do.
0: And don't Because that
1: wasn't easy before.
0: And don't take for granted or judge women who nowadays with every availability that they have choose to take that path
1: yeah to mm-hmm. stay
0: home and raise yeah. a family or to you know not work and be a homemaker or yeah. whatever it is you know yeah that that's a choice that she was able to make
1: yeah right
0: exactly,
1: exactly. i was
0: reading something infuriating once <laughs> and the point of it was like we should go back to the way things were in the 50s or whatever because things were so great back then and men were men (sighs) and women were women for who (laughs) yeah and that was none of that was mentioned in this thing that i read and so i commented on it and i was like well i guess i better give up my career (laughs) and go home and have babies that i don't want Mm -hmm. and stay at home all day which i also do not want to do Mm -hmm. because that is not something that i would ever enjoy doing not that I do not love children, but I do not want to stay home and raise my own children that I don't ever want to have. Right? So it's, it's easy for me to take for granted the fact that I am able to choose that easily, whereas people back then weren't able to. And you, there is still pushback from older generations of people, I will say, mm-hmm. to someone my age saying that they don't want to have children. It's like, well, you just like I've heard before, like, hey, but you maybe you just don't know, or maybe you don't want them yet, or maybe you just like. No, I understand the choice that <laughs> I am making, and it is a valid choice to make that yeah. I do not want to be a homemaker. Yeah, it's, I would be a not terrible every, homemaker. Not every
2: woman is meant to be a vessel for some, a container for another life, and it doesn't mean that there. It 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 and pushing that onto someone who doesn't want that does. I mean.
1: That creates some really terrible mothers. Yeah. Yeah. And then angry, sad. resentful children. Children who become angry, sad adults yep. who perpetuate the cycle. Yeah. I think it's so beautiful that we have so much more choice and freedom to go in either direction. Mm-hmm. I And I want more openness of like, your choice is okay. Yes. Because I think women on all those sides, like, because there's several sides of this. Mm-hmm. Right. There's like the woman who wants... Both things. Yeah. Career, have family, household. Mm-hmm. Woman who wants no children, family, household. Cause, and the you, just like there's like it's like. Yeah. This, you have infinite combinations. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like forget dodecahedron. What's an infinite? Uh, right. Heterodera? Yeah. <laughs> and that each of those choices is valid and good. Yeah. Yes. Like, and that at different times in your life, you're going to want different things. You and, know. And like, listening to your
0: strengths and and weaknesses and not following in falling into the cookie cutter mold that still exists today and is still pushed to many young women nowadays and mm-hmm. it's not it's not even that like it it's not a thing anymore it is great we have these choices but it took me a while to realize that these were not the choices that i personally wanted to make when mm-hmm. I got married, I was under the assumption that I was going to have children because that's what I was supposed to do or that's what people expected, did, expected, you right? Told. Like, and I, I remember somebody in my church telling me and my husband asking us if we were going to have kids. And at this point we had decided not to. And they said, oh, I'm so sorry. I will pray for you. And I was like, <laughs> I don't need that. I'm okay. No.
1: I don't there's... need
0: you to pray for me. I mean, I appreciate the sentiment that you want to, that you're worried for me, but that is not what I need prayer for. Yeah, like, and how sad, okay. and how
2: sad that they think that your only existence is to pro- procreate. That there's no yeah. other value in your life beyond more more little lives.
0: Yeah, it's there's yeah. plenty
2: of lives in this world. That's
0: my point in saying that that it existed back then, but it still exists today. Oh, yeah. absolutely.
1: Yeah, um, I I just. I, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. We were, we were rewatch, rewatching Hidden Figures recently. And there's a character that, um, she'd already been married. She has two kids. She's, she's one of the computers Mm -hmm. there. And um, there's a guy who's interested and is, and who assumes that, you know, he's proposing to her and assumes that when. You know, he does that she won't have to work anymore. Right. She's working because she has to as a single, as a widow with two children, and it's like, no, she that I mean there is that. Yeah. But she also has this amazing mind. Yeah. And what a shame! How many women, generations of women who who have these brilliant who could not be fully, um, and mentally.
0: Imagine in how much, the in the
2: in the healthiest place they could be, right. By being their whole self.
0: Imagine how much farther along f- we'd be in science and technology <sighs> if we had let these extremely smart people do their extremely smart people work, right?
2: Yeah. Back instead then. of saying, "Oh, because you have two breasts and uh, and other body parts, that you are now limited to this box of choices." Right. Yeah. But yeah. you could be, you could be. It's okay once, but once you get married, you have one sole purpose, yep. and it's like,
1: wow. How yeah. limiting. Or the other side of it, another thing too is, is like, let's say you, you are a woman who wants a family or you, you find yourself in a cir- circumstance where you are going to carry a, a child. Like, why can't we adapt our workforce? Because <laughs> this gets touched a little bit too, when she wants to come back to, when she has to come back to Hastings. Yeah. And he's mm-hmm. like, oh, you think you're just going to come back into this? You've been out of it for four years, sitting on your laurels, like, because you fired me for being pregnant. Right. And even what if she had taken a leave of absence for four years to be with her small child? Right. Like, I wish the workforce were more reasonable about like, you have your whole life ahead of you yeah. to be a participating, a productive member yeah, of society. Like, <laughs> give me a second. It, it, I mean, it would just be amazing if yeah. we could accommodate in these more meaningful ways yeah but it's weird to me it it, it bugs me that
2: they only ask that of women you yeah. know they would never i mean a thought a, a fa- you know someone who be a man who becomes a father he's also responsible for the raising of this child but he never gets any of the judgment and any nope. of the harshness that i mean i knew that like um there, when when I was raising my when my kids were little, there was a lot of judgment for being a s- stay at home mom. Is assumed that I must be too stupid to be you know in the business world. So there you know that somehow your brain cells are left behind if you stay home with kids. You're a lesser productive person, even though you're raising right. the next generation of people and, and you're not- trying your best. And but then there was a, a bunch of I know there was a story about there was a, um many women who were in the work. You know, in the workforce Mm -hmm. who realized, okay, I'm a full-time worker, but everything, but I'm also a full-time mom because all the stuff I would normally be at home being able to do, I still have to do, even though I'm out of the house 40 hours a week. I mean, that doesn't, that, so I really got two full-time jobs yeah, and and it's exhausting because they saw their mothers who were the, you know, some of the, some of the were first women in the workforce trying to do it all. That you know they had songs about you know fry up the bacon, cook it up in a pan, yeah. you know, and always and always be great, you know, in a sack. And um, but it's just exhausting. Yeah, it, it, yeah.
0: And
1: yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I, I appreciate what this late this book lays bare.
0: Sure. Yeah. Um, I want to wrap it up by saying that maybe you know how some movies books are better than movies and but some um storytellers know how to take the best from a book and turn it into something better yeah my favorite example of this is I read Jaws (laughs) by Peter Benchley and I hated it (laughs) and I love Jaws right so (laughs) Steven Spielberg is excellent at taking some source material and making it into a better thing um not that this isn't great source material regardless of what Our opinion is of it. No,
1: that's why I started off with beautifully
0: done. Yes, they are making a TV series based on this, starring Brie Larson.
1: As Elizabeth,
0: that's exactly what I said. I was like Elizabeth. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and Brie Larson is perfect for it. Men already treat her (laughs) right the way that. yep (laughs) it's perfect. It is perfect. It's excellent casting.
1: Perfect. Your homework is to go watch Captain Marvel uh yeah god bless her <laughs> um, i need to watch room i've never watched room yeah i haven't either yeah I, I think i'd like to see that i mean it's only it's a movie you watch once i think <laughs> yeah probably
0: um okay well that is it for our uh book review so i guess we can jump into what else
1: anybody read this month Anne's oh, rummaging sorry
0: <laughs> what did you find um
1: i well i finally got back to lee bardugo's universe. And I listen to King of Scars and I'm in the middle of Rule of Wolves. And I guess she's written some other little like novellas to fill in her her Grisha verse. Mm. Um, so I'm looking forward to getting those listened to. Okay. <laughs> she's a very artful storyteller and I like being in that world. Um, so if you've not listened to any of the Grisha verse, it's uh, great stuff. Lee Bardugo. Um, so one of my sewing students brought this book the act of sewing by sonia phillips mm. oh. it's a very simple book i passed it around for you guys to
0: mm-hmm.
1: look at it's uh has four basic patterns um a like a two tops a skirt and trousers
0: mm-hmm.
1: and but it's also like how to riff off of it and how to um alter them mm. and i think it is like extremely full of possibilities (laughs) um and she's really really just very adorable she sounds familiar um she's gonna be teaching at she's so cute teaching at stitches socal i think oh that's cool um and it's it's a very cute book this is a very pleasant book yeah yes because i i I got excited about it seeing it with my student and then it came to last night and I'm like, I would never buy this book if I flipped through it in Barnes & Noble. I bought it because someone else was excited about it. Uh But I'm not like sad about it. It's a really crisp, concise book that I think you could play a lot with. Um, So... The Act of Sewing by Sonia Phillips. Oh, cool. it's a, it's, yeah, um, that's a very well, is so cute. pleasing book. She's so cute. <laughs> it feels like her style, you know, for okay. our listeners. I thought she was the creator of the
2: 100 Acts of Sewing oh. patterns. Oh, that makes sense. Which are some nice basics that mm-hmm. you that she gives you tips on how to hack and I adapt. I name
0: sounded familiar. I right thought,
2: yeah, I thought so. I thought Acts of Sewing, um, the Act of Sewing, yeah, the 100 Acts of Sewing
1: Got it. patterns. Which I'm gotcha. never attracted to those patterns. But I'm, I'm now I'm I'm but now I might
2: rethink that. it. Yeah, yeah.
1: so I'm gonna play done. in in this book for a little while. Oh, well, um, Very cute and very approachable and well written. Like the pattern instructions are pretty well written. What really sold me is she assembles pants in the same way I do,
2: mm.
1: which is um, side seam, crotch seam, inseam, not side seam, inseam, You've insert, seen, yeah, crotch seam. Okay. So she, I'm in. She, Except I disagree with her about sleeve insertion. Okay. She sleeve <laughs> you insertion. You need to write your own book. Oh, nah. <laughs> <laughs> she does. Sleeve insertion with side seam of the top and side seam of the sleeve, and then she matches up the two holes. I that seems like harder. Yeah. I don't know. No, that's I like to do the arm site. It is yeah. So I was like, yeah. all right, we're 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 in together on the pants, but I disagree with your top. So but um <laughs> it's a beautiful box. Like, um and it was pretty cheap on Amazon.com. It was like seventeen dollars, which that's I mean, a good deal. That's really good for that's the hardback. cost of one pattern. Right. Essentially. So uh and it has um full size patterns already printed love um, it so easy to trace um, so that, i mean that told me too cuz uh, who loves tiling patterns uh, yeah. yeah i if i'm in the right mood i am sure. willing to like take it as part of the process um okay what have you read this week Karen oh we're month? doing 111 well it's your I, I get to choose the next book and i know i oh, oh, okay <laughs> i'm holding it okay. okay this is the next book i'm i'm cobbling with so
2: um i start i i, I reread um dread nation and then I read the sequel to it that came out called *The Deathless Divide*. Ooh, who's that by? And that's by, um, and uh, that's by Justina Ireland. Um, it's imagine it's it, the two books come together. Imagine if the Civil War really ended because the the dead on the battlefield rose up to to eat the <laughs> to eat the living. <laughs> oh my god! And emancipation didn't really happen. I mean, they, the blacks were freed, but that was so that they could bring um, so that the black, the former slaves are now going to become the ones that are mm-hmm. trained to fight the the restless dead. <laughs> and, uh, while once again the whites can go on and be comfortable. Um, yes. so I, there's that. I, that sounds amazing. I started the Dreamblood duology by N.K. Jemisin because someone had recommended it, but I'm only like a couple chapters in. But I, and I started, I started a bunch of books, <laughs> but the book, I did actually take the physical book called the deep by river Solomon. She's a, it's a new author to me. Um, and it's kind of like, these are the stories of mer people, but these mer people were born, um, by the slave, the, the enslaved mother's, um, who are captured in Africa and they're pregnant and they were thrown overboard. And that's a real thing that happened. And then as their babies are born, because they were used to breathing from the liquid of the womb, it, it transitioned into the liquid, uh, you know, of the ocean.
1: Oh, I and like so, idea. I but I they have true. their own
2: people. <laughs> um, it's and it's, but the trauma is too much for the people to carry. So they have historians who are sensitive to the rememberings to their story. And they carry all the rememberings of time going. And once a year, because the people can't live with no memory of their of who they are, they have a ceremony where they uh, they are relive the, the, the memories and fill, get their fill. But then they give it back to the historian. And this last historian is really was only 14 when she was put the pawn with this and anyway so it's really good it's called the deep it's um narrated by david diggs and if you oh, are I love him. and he's so good and but even the book even though it's by river solomon all the people that that also were part of the narration i guess they contributed it's a very small book it's like the whole thing is only like three hours long to listen to so it's not a long book at all um And I'm also uh, reading War Girls by Tochi Onyebuchi. I can't say the name properly. Um, Onyebuchi, I think. Okay. It's all Afrofuturism stuff.
1: That's a very fun
2: genre. I'm really enjoying this genre. I'm getting my books from a place up in Oakland called uh, Sister Sci-Fi. And they specialize. I think I've talked to them about them before. But anyway...
1: Um, what's his face um, Reading Rainbow LeVar Burton mm. um, he does a storytelling um, podcast that's amazing um, LeVar Burton reads oh, and yeah. he, he reads from that genre a lot and it's, it's, it's fantastic
0: um, I read a book called Cover Story by Susan Rigetti that I found on the Cloud Library when I had finished something else I was reading and was looking for something else Um, I think I talked about my previous book already, but, um, which sounded great cover story by Susan Rigetti. I, it was like, okay, that sounds fine. I'll listen to it. And it took me a minute to get into. And the whole time I was frustrated by the main character, but there ended up being a very good reason why. And it was, I'm still thinking about it. And like, (laughs) I'm, I regret not, choosing it as a book club pick because I would really love to talk to somebody else who has read it. Uh So if y'all read it, I want to talk to you about it. Same as the title is again? Uh, Cover Story by Susan Rigetti. It's told which I didn't know when I started it in the, I don't know what you call it, in the same vein as um, Where'd You Go Bernadette? Where it's like emails and text messages and Mm. um, epistolary. There you go, thank you. And diary entries and things like that. And I was like, "Why is it written like this? Just because it's interesting, but there is a reason why it's written like that." And I was like, "Oh, okay, no, I really liked that book, <laughs> um, and it was a fun read, so I, uh, I would recommend it." All right, well, um, squeeze it in, but. You- uh, and you listened to it
1: i listened to it which after was after reading that do you wish that you had physically read it
0: it didn't really make a okay. difference in the comprehension of the story okay but it was a little annoying that the narrator read out every single time stamp and ah, but we wish for that in the past i know but it was like <laughs> this long chain of emails it was like subject hello and then response was re hello and then it was re re hello re, re 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 hello and it's like i understand we're still in this email chain but so that was a little frustrating but, okay well now we know what that's like we've asked for <laughs> yes. it in the past now we know what it's like um i appreciated all the current timestamps because i was like okay i know exactly what week we're in what month we're in what's going on but um but i really enjoyed it awesome So, drumroll, in, what are we reading
1: next month? Okay, I'm really excited. Okay. Because I was in a bad mood about this book. Okay. (laughs) Again, even though it is a beautifully written book. We Um, found a lot to talk about, too. Right. Uh, Which is an important thing in a book club book. Um, (laughs) So I wandered around the bookstore yesterday, and I'm like, nah, what do I want? Um... I thought I wanted something kind of funny and light. I thought about, like, a Where'd You Go Bernadette kind mm-hmm. of. I can't think of the author's name right now, but mm-hmm. I kind of lingered there for a minute. Yeah. Uh, I did take into consideration time, because um, when I went towards sci-fi, I was like, oh, I have a copy of Andy Weir's Hail Mary, mm. and so Ooh. maybe that would be a good one, because if... I like Andy Weir is the author of The Martian, mm-hmm. so I'm sure you guys have experienced either the movie or the book.
2: I've read other stories by by Andy Weir. I like Artemis his style.
1: is Artemis is so good. <sighs> all I mean, all of the Artemis books. Is there mm, more than one? I think there's, there's just a one. sequel. Oh, okay. No. Oh, to my knowledge, there's only one. I would love a sequel. I'll have to look it up. Yeah, I would and very much enjoy a sequel to Artemis. Uh, it's a heist story, so I love a heist. <laughs> um, so. Maybe not um artemis is a current moon mission too mm-hmm. that might be <laughs> so that then i'm like okay well that was like a 17 hour book so i say i saved you all from that even though it would have been a wonderful journey answer and i recommend it um so near hail mary was um octavia butler's books and i love octavia Mm -hmm. butler um i was thinking about like when i talk about this how i'm going to describe her Mm. i mean she is a she is one of the best science fiction writers that ever lived okay she is known as a female science science sci-fi writer she is a black science writer but she is just the best one of the best sci-fi writers period yeah Okay. So like you can qualify her that way mm-hmm. any way you want, <laughs> but she is also she has some of the most innovative imaginings of science fiction, hmm. and like how aliens would be and how our interactions would be, um, that uh, it's it's so imaginative and different that um, I'm can't I'm so excited. <laughs> so she uh, I've chosen fledgling. Um, hmm. It's. Uh, It's a very short little synopsis here. Shori is an apparently young amnesiac girl whose alarming needs and abilities lead her to a startling discovery. She is, in fact, a 53-year-old vampire genetically (laughs) modified to walk in the light of day. How awesome. The only survivor of a vicious attack on her community with no memory of her past life life shori must now struggle to rebuild her family and learn who would want and still wants to destroy her the captivating novel that tests the limits of otherness and questions what it means to be human fledgling was the last book octavia butler wrote and is among her greatest and most beloved works Mm. um i want to read her author side two just Mm -hmm. in case people are not familiar with her a writer who darkly imagined the future we have destined for ourselves in book after book and also one who has shown us the way toward improving on that dismal fate octavia e butler 1947 to 2006 is recognized as among the bravest and smartest of contemporary fiction writers a 1995 macarthur award winner Butler just transcended the science fiction category, even as she was awarded the community's top prizes, the Nebula and Hugo awards. She reaches readers of all ages, all races, all religions, I'm sorry, all religious and sexual persuasions for years. The only African-American woman writing science fiction, Butler has encouraged many others to follow in her path. Fledgling was the last novel she wrote immediately following the parable of the sour and parable of talents. Um, I'm really excited about this. Book. Okay. <laughs> oh, cool. I think it's a 12-hour audiobook, so it's a little on the long side, mm-hmm. but um, I've I mean, yeah. um, re- the thing that sold me on her is I went through her trilogy. Um, and I'd have to look up the titles, but it's it's a trilogy yeah, about um, this alien worlds and seed to harvest. Um,
2: it's got parable of the sower, no. a covenant, lots
1: children canaan Mm-mm. no okay. it's a different one um, that's another
2: trilogy i guess yeah
1: and that's it, on my two reads <laughs> um a parable of the sour is where? Well, no that's not it that's no, not it sorry um that just came it's the exogenesis <laughs> trilogy um it's dawn um dawn is the first book in that series and um there's three books it's amazing it's an amazing imagining and talk about spanning time it spans hundreds of years mm. of human history mm-hmm. <laughs> or imagined human future rather um so i'm i'm hoping this book is the kind of thing where we live in it for a while and we'll be sad that it ends that's cool i probably just like oversold it but i hope you guys <laughs> okay <it. laughs> that's cool. okay well we will meet
0: with y'all again next month when we talk about that um, in the meantime, you can listen to our regular podcast episodes or catch up on one of our many other book club episodes. You can always go back to if you've read one of those and see what we think. Um, we are by no way experts, but we <laughs> enjoy discussing. So We play um, we play three on a podcast. On a podcast, yeah. <laughs> and as always, we are interested to hear your take on any of the books that we have talked about. So even if it's an older episode, if you have thoughts or you know anything you want to share with us, please don't hesitate to do so. Um, and we will catch you next month. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Strings Unraveled is a production of Strings and Things Studio with Anne Lechraven-Kazoli, Katie Von Rader Fraker, and Karen Mometh. Recorded and edited by Katie Von Rader Fraker. Find us online at stringsandthingsstudio.com or on Facebook or Instagram at Strings and Things Studio. You can email us at stringsandthingsinfo at gmail.com.